With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today we continue our Fantasy Final Series with a look at Austin Eckler. People, I've been chastised on social media a few times over the years. I'm used to it. It's okay. Worst part about the job, got to deal with some mean things from people I'm never going to see. That's okay. And I do live by the idea that you shouldn't take criticism from people you wouldn't take advice from. So not a big deal, but this is how it usually goes. PFF pulls out a quote from either this podcast, maybe one of my articles. They put it out there. They put a block on there, quote, and they don't give any context other than the main point. And this often upsets people, especially if it gets to real life, non-fantasy Twitter. The one thing I ask my lovely employer PFF to do is to include the article or podcast that the quote came from. So the real ones out there, if they want the reasoning, we'll go through that because as much as people love to usually, you know, come out of the woodworks after something has come, you know, I say a helicopter's, I send a helicopter tweet out at midnight, not 405 after the game's over, all of a sudden people have a problem with it. So basically we use these quote tweets, we put them up. If my take is good, doesn't matter. People will usually make fun of my hat or my face. I don't know. I, I understand people. You know, my Twitter avatar is Johnny Depp playing Hunter S. Thompson. I am nowhere near that good looking. I never will be. But like, what does constitute a fantasy analyst face that you would take an opinion from? Whatever. I'll see. I'll figure it out. If my take is bad, though, people just shit on it because it's bad. And really, none of these, these don't ever really bring me off in a great light. And with that said, I have not seen one go worse for me than the most recent one from today. I'm recording this on a Monday with my proclamation that I would take Austin Eckler over Alvin Kamara in fantasy drafts in 2021. Again, you can find this article on pff.com and this podcast where I'm going to explain my reasoning as well. Basically, it comes down to, I think, Alvin, I think, excuse me, I think, I believe Austin Eckler has the role in Los Angeles that we hope Alvin Kamara still has in New Orleans. You know, I am not trying to reward guys for what they did in 2020. I'm trying to project what they're going to do in 2021. That's why I'm lower on Jonathan Taylor to some people. He was fantastic last year. I'm not so sure he's going to be that good downgrading from Phillip Rivers to Carson Wentz. And yes, it is a downgrade people, but that's a story for another day. So let's just go through Austin Eckler here because that is the, you know, obviously the subject of this fantasy files and look, Ever since really 2019, he was even good before that, but 2019 is when we really saw Eckler explode on the scene. 1,550 total yards, 11 scores. And then last year, I mean, despite that severe hamstring injury that cut him, you know, cut him down just three games in the year, 933 yards and a trio of touchdowns in that injury shortened season. So really over the past two years, when he's been healthy, with without Melvin Gordon, he has been an RB1, but truly it's been without Melvin Gordon really since 2018 that we see him just putting up massive fantasy friendly numbers because again, we've had 16 games of Eckler without Melvin Gordon over the past three years. He's had seven performances as a fantasy football RB one 13 games as an RB two. And look, 
RB1 is top 12, RB2 is top 24. So it's kind of like the square rectangle thing. You can be an RB1 and an RB2, but you can't be an RB2 and an RB1, that makes sense. So that's why we have seven RB1 and 13 RB2 in a 16-game sample. I've had to explain that a few times. His worst performance in the 16-game stretch, worst game, RB31. I mean, it's incredible, people. And with Justin Herbert specifically, only have one game of him outside the top 24. That worst game was RB26. And okay, so specifically with Herbert, here are his finishes in, in chronological order. RB14, RB3, RB8, RB21, RB8, RB26, RB16, RB15. I mean, this sort of floor is ridiculous. And Eckler has never gotten 20 carries in a game. The issue for him going to last year, why some people were fading it, was because we either had Tyrod Taylor under center. We knew he wasn't going to throw to his running backs. We knew he was going to take some of the rushing equity. And we had a rookie after that who we had knew nothing about. Well, Tyrod Taylor's now part of that Houston Texans mess. And the rookie turns out to be one of the best rookie QBs we've ever seen in Justin Herbert. And as I just listed Eckler's performance with Herbert, I mean, it, it just doesn't get better than Eckler's situation right now. And he's proven to us that he can thrive as both a rusher and receiver. I think people understand how good he is as a receiver. If you don't, he is literally first in receiving grade among 121 backs, 121 qualified backs since entering the league in 2017. But in rushing, he's been fantastic too. 25th out of 115 running backs with at least 100 carries since 2017 nobody and this is what separates Eckler like we talk about being a truly good receiving running back and you know some people that maybe don't watch the game as much as they should like after that Jaguars Fournette season in 2019 people were calling Fournette a great receiver because of all the passes he caught if you've watched Leonard Fournette try to catch a pass before you know that while he's capable from time to time we will never confuse Fournette with someone like Eckler like Naeem Hines like Christian McCaffrey guys that can legit move in the space move in the slot out wide and just still demolish uh, whatever defender gets put in front of them overall no running back has averaged more yards per outrun than Austin Eckler since entering the league when he's been in the slot or out wide he's one Naeem Hines is number two um, and Aaron Jones is number three PS would love to see the Packers use Jones more in that role. Uh, that's story for another day. The issue with Eckler, and I guess the one true kryptonite that I do agree with and why people can be a little lower on him than I guess I am, it's the goal line usage. I mean, 2019, Eckler only had seven rush attempts inside the five-yard line. Gordon had 13. Last year, I mean, he only had two rush attempts inside the five-yard line. Justin Herbert had seven. Kalen Balaj had six. Joshua Kelly had five. It's not good. We want our fantasy players to score touchdowns. I realize that I will say people in the year 2021, it's legal for guys to score touchdowns, even when they're not inside the five yard line. And this 2021 chargers offense is looking good enough to help kind of grow that overall touchdown equity pie anyway. So with the goal line stuff, Hey, maybe again, with this new, new look offense, we got going on. Lombardi calling the plays now. Maybe Eckler gets more of a chance to go score. I would say, and look, it, it's damning stats. I'm not denying that. I will say, though, we tend to overrate the use of a true vulture. The days of someone like Mike Tolbert just continuously coming in inside the five-yard line, those are mostly over. And I called BS on that in 2019 when Malcolm Brown scores, you know, two 
touchdowns inside the five yard line. Everyone says he's the goal line back now. No, you need to look at these situations sometimes because what happens more often than not, the running back that's on the field when they get inside the five yard line stays on the field, unless there's a ball stoppage timeout or whatever. Very rarely where a coaching staff halt the entire momentum of their offense, just to put one running back in. And that makes it, you know, pretty damn easy to figure out what they're going to do anyway. So Eckler, while I don't anticipate him seeing, you know, 15 to 20 rushes inside the five yard line, it'd be great if he did. I don't think that's going to be the case. I also don't think he's just going to be yanked off the field every single time they get close to the red zone. And honestly, just with this, uh, again, the fantasy friendly targets he's getting, it just might not matter all that much. So that does take me to a fun stat I had because let's face it when in fantasy football, we want targets, but like, how can we properly, uh, you know, just contextualize that? Well, I went and looked at 2020 and just running backs as a whole per rush attempt running backs in 2020 average 0.64 PPR points per rush. 1.58 PPR fantasy points per target. Basically, one target equals two and a half rush attempts in terms of fantasy points from last season. I took those with our PFF 2021 projections, which you can find on pff.com, to basically form this fancy opportunity score for the running backs where the targets are getting way high, higher than the rush attempts. So the top 10 for this year. Number one, Christian McCaffrey, as you could have guessed. Two, Dalvin Cook. Three, Saquon Barkley. Four, Zico Elliott. Five Alan Kamara and right behind him at number six is Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, number seven. Um, and then we got some other guys closing things out. So Aaron Jones, eight, Najee Harris, nine, Derek Henry, 10. So yeah, guys that aren't getting fed those targets, not great, everyone. That's why Jonathan Taylor isn't on this list. That's why I am lower on him. I fully understand guys with great efficiency can overcome this. It's just much harder to predict efficiency than it is volume sometimes. So that's why I tend to lean on volume and people. With Eckler, we have a chance to see his efficiency skyrocket with this fantasy-friendly volume because right now we had our PFF offensive line rankings go up last week. Chargers are projected to have the 18th best offensive line. I mean, some of their, you know, just moves they made last year, absolutely fantastic. We got Brian Beluga coming back after being limited to just 444 snaps last season. They got another former Packer and Corey Lindsley, who was the top center on PFS free agent board. You know, we got our starting guards, Matt Feeler and Oday Abushi also came over in free agency. They're all the right moves on paper, and I'm just happy that they did address this unit because this was anyone's idea of a bottom three offensive line last year, 30th in of an offensive pass blocking, 32nd in run blocking, and it didn't matter for Austin Eckler. And I've said this stat in several running back podcasts now, PFFs, top five and bottom five offensive lines and run blocking last year, each produced four top 24 PPR backs. And when you're someone like Austin Eckler getting these targets, you can overcome that offensive line. But hey, him just getting those targets and overcoming it, if we can just fix the offensive line and all of a sudden have that be a positive, now we could be looking at the difference between Eckler finishing as the 12th RB in PPR points for game like he was last year and potentially battling to be the RB1. So ultimately, look, he's the ninth highest paid RB in the league, always done his ball out. I feel like he almost still gets the undrafted thing held against him like we do throughout the years. He has anyone's idea of a stud RB, and he even showed last year, despite a horrific hamstring injury, that he would play through the pain. So for me, Austin Eckler, yes, I am ranking him ahead of Alvin Kamara. Why? Because we have had Austin Eckler play 16 games without Melvin Gordon. This is our PFF Lily stat, by the way. Austin Eckler has played 16 games without Melvin Gordon since 2018. He has had three finishes outside the top 24. Alvin Kamara has played nine games without Drew Brees over the past two seasons. He has three finishes outside the top 24 in seven fewer games than Eckler. 
I agree. Sean Payton's a very smart guy. I don't think he's not going to use Kamara by any stretch of the imagination. But if Taysom Hill is as involved as we think he is, and if Jameis is going to be out there too, we have two quarterbacks that are not known for throwing the ball or running backs. And by not known, I mean they really don't do it. Jameis because of the high average target depth. Taysom because he runs around. And I think the touchdown equity is going to go down. I mean, do we really think Jameis and Taysom are leading this Saints offense that has Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara? That's pretty much it with all due respect to some of their other guys, at least in terms of proven commodities. We just, we're locking them in top 10. Not me, not me. And that's why I do have Eckler as my RB seven behind only Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin cook, Saquon Barkley, Derek Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, and Aaron Jones. If Rogers ends up getting traded, I would move Aaron Jones down this list behind Eckler, behind Kamara. I have Kamara right behind Austin Eckler, smart people, smart people, you know, I, other fancy football analysts, I don't want to say necessarily smarter than me. You know, I got a little ego on myself as well, everybody. But plenty of people have Kamara over Eckler. I think that's a safe play. Again, I'm trying to project 2021, not 2020. If you can get them both, fantastic. I just don't think Kamara has shown us enough without Breeze. Not even the Taysom games, the Teddy games. We saw the targets in Teddy games. We didn't see the touchdowns. We saw the touch. We saw some touchdowns in the Taysom games. We didn't see the targets. And, you know, ultimately in those nine games, Kamara, RB3, RB6, RB9, and then RB16, 17, 23, 26, 36, and 37. Again, people, as many non-RB2 appearances in nine games as Eckler had in 16. I just think that Eckler, with his fancy-friendly targets in an extending offense with little to none competition around him, like, okay, Kelly, Justin Jackson, one of these, or Kalen Balaj even, one of these guys is going to split the early down work to some extent. Again, Eckler's never had a game with over 20 carries, but that's fine. They can take their, you know, 10 combined carries per game. We'll take all the targets and we'll take, you know, more than three touches. He's going to score more than three touchdowns this year with good health. I don't see any reason to fade him because of that health. And, you know, I've gone through the whole shtick before about injury prone, but we can go down any running back in the league and talk about them being injury prone. How about Kamara? What about that back injury he was having issue with before last season? Maybe that flares up, you know, you can just, you know, tongue in cheek about pretty much anyone uh, that's ranked inside the top 10, top 12. So awesome. Eckler, RB7, and you know, you don't even have to go that low for him. The guy has an ADP closer to the RB1 borderline. So hopefully you go on your draft. And even if you say, screw you, Ian, I'm taking Alvin Kamara, you know, high up in my first round. God forbid, if you see Austin Eckler and available in the second round, and if you do not draft him, I will take that as a personal insult. He should be gone in round one. And you know, take Austin Eckler in fantasy 2021. You will not be sorry, people. If you have enjoyed my spiel on Eckler on NFL events and most usually fantasy football, I invite you to check out our PFF podcast network, which covers everything NFL college and fantasy football. You can recap the NFL draft with Mike Renner and Austin Gales two for one jazz podcast, or get all 2021 betting content you need with the PFF forecast. Also, people. We have our best ball draft kit out, tiered rankings to projections to targetable stacks this season's favorable matchups. The only resource you'd ever need to wreak havoc across best ball formats all season long. Also, if you like fantasy football and if you like playing fantasy for money, you need to check out Underdog Fantasy. Underdog's got everything, including season long and playoff best ball. Best ball is a season long game. We draft a team like you normally do. But that's it. There's no in-season roster management. Underdog automatically selects your best performers each week, saving you loads of time. So go to Underdog Fantasy, deposit $10 using promo code PFF, and get a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's promo code PFF. Draft now at Underdog Fantasy. Quick get-off-my-chest segment. Guys, I think umbrellas are so freaking dumb. W- w- what are you going to use an umbrella for? Like, 
you want to go outside. If it's pouring down rain, you have a direct place to go. Fine. If you have one, I guess use it. But the amount of problems trying to use one of these things usually brings up is just ridiculous to me. Like let's say you take one with you. Now you're sacrificing and shout out to my guy, Evan Silva for originally giving me this line, but you're sacrificing an entire hand. We have two hands. You want to sacrifice one of those to hold a freaking umbrella. And for what? Half the time, unless you're spending good money on umbrella, which who wants to do that? The damn thing's flying upside down when a gust of wind hits. You're getting wet anyway. It's not like umbrellas have this 100% you know, water-resistant rate of keeping you dry. Usually, you still get somewhat wet. Now you have a soaking wet umbrella that you got to figure out where to put somewhere. Like That's a cool thing to walk into a party or the office and have to deal with. You know, Hey, can you take this soaking wet, uh, you know, just five or three foot long pole I happen to carry around. You know, imagine being afraid of a little bit of water, people. Come on. The peace of mind that you will save from not having to worry about umbrellas again is well worth getting drenched once or twice. I have been anti-umbrella for the better part of the past five, six years. It's a controversial stance. I understand that. Uh, shout out to my ex-college uh, Portuguese teacher, Anna Lima, for agreeing with me. And yeah, I think umbrellas are generally a sign of weakness. And if you come up to me and you're holding one, I will think a little bit less of you. And if that's a dumb opinion, well, so be it. I find umbrellas dumb. So that's my rant. This has been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you as always for tuning in. New episodes every single day of the week going for nine per week here throughout the offseason. And I also have plenty of content available over at pff.com. So truly people really appreciate the support. You know, I love looking at the charts and seeing that we're grinding there. You know, we're up there flirting around trying to pass ESPN, these big dogs. And you know, when the charts don't go my way, I say they're stupid and don't have to worry about the numbers, but really appreciate the support everyone. And just so you know, I am grinding, trying to make things better audio wise. Um, you know, even considering maybe just maybe moving to uh, Cincinnati to get those big, bad pro football focus, you know, professional just studio section and have these podcasts just as crisp as popular because I know you listeners are why we all do this and I want all you to have the best experience possible. So thank you for tuning in and until next time, take care, everybody. 